0: Hello, friends, this is Pastor Mitch, and I'm doing another one of my side issues that I did not have time to go into depth on the Sunday sermon, and I'm wondering if you have questions about this issue. And the question we're hitting today is, how do we interpret the days of creation in Genesis 1 and 2? I have heard some strongly... Uh, Declare that the only correct way to interpret those days is as uh, 24-hour literal days. And that any other interpretation that maybe they represent long periods of time are somehow a concession to liberalizing the Bible and the modern science. And and so they will uh, take issue with that. And I want to address that, um, today, first of all, that, that long before there was Darwin or other, uh, questioning skeptics about that God was the creator back, even in the early days of the church, there were Christian thinkers who thought these days were not literal days. Um, that they were somehow something other than just 24-hour periods. And that includes the, the pre-modern church fathers of Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, Origen, and especially Augustine, who wrote quite a bit on c- the creation and creation days. And at one point he, he clearly declares, this is a quote from Augustine, but at least we know that the creation, G- Genesis creation day, is different from the ordinary day with which we are familiar. So I'll just mention that that this has been an interpretation um, it is that more in the last couple hundred years that the idea that the the earth is, is still young and that these days have to be taken literally is is a newer development in church teaching. So I'm going to kind of go through my slide and give you a few reasons basically from the text. Are there any indications within the text that these days should be taken more figuratively? So here we go. Um, one is there's the poetic language that's used in Genesis one. You'll notice there's a rhythm as you read, especially the Genesis one. And then it, a, a pattern where it says, and there is evening and morning. And that that leads then to the next day. So it has the rhythm of poetry to it. Uh, It uses odd language. Like it doesn't say sun and moon. It says the greater light and lesser light. Things that that indicate that it might have a a more poetic type of language. A second aspect of this is that, that it is difficult if not really even impossible to reconcile different aspects of within the Genesis 1 and 2 story, especially between 1 and 2, if you go with a literal interpretation. So so first of all, it, it says the sun and moon, but which would mark the days, is not created itself until day four. And so what does a literal day mean before there's a sun and moon? Um, moreover, and I think this is more important to me, you, you would have to fit all of Genesis 2 into the, the latter half of day six in this in this account because in you know Genesis in day six in Genesis 1, you have but first the creation of all animals. And then the finale is the human beings, male and female. Well, in Genesis two, then you get more specifically the creation of Adam and Eve. And so, before Eve is created, there's a lot of things action that takes place in Genesis two. And so that it doesn't wouldn't make sense that that would all fit within just that that one day. So the, there are those kind of things, and then there's there's just things that the text does not tell us that are left up there. It doesn't feel the need to tell us everything we want to know. It tells us what it intends to teach, which is what God is like. So what, what doesn't it tell us? Well, the classic question, where did Cain get his wife? There's more to the story. Who was Cain afraid of when he was um, forced to, to leave his, his mother and father after killing his brother? Like, there were people out there. We, we don't quite know how that fits in. So there are aspects of the story that, that just don't reconcile well. And then thirdly, we are given a clear verse that tells us that it's, that God's days are differently than our days. It says in Second Peter 3, 8, Beloved the, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And so that's a pretty clear indication that that God views time differently than we do. And so there are other places where it refers to weeks, but it seems to mean a period of seven years, not just seven days. Another one I find persuasive is if you go to Hebrews 4, it talks about um, the rest of God and that the people of God can enter into God's rest. And if you read read it yourself, but it it gives a sense that God is at rest and the implication is God is still in day seven. And in fact, if you go back to Genesis 2, where it refers to that, there's no end to day seven in the text. There's no evening and morning that ends day seven. It's best to think that God was done with his creative moment and has been in this day of rest where he's not creating new species um, since he finished in the end, since the creation of human beings. So those are some classic reasons. Maybe you've heard them before. One that I found interesting and, and I, it's kind of a new one to me that I I picked up on lately it's, it's God gives a word that only develops more slowly over time. And that is in Genesis 6-3, God declares that the days of man, the lifetimes of, of people will be limited to 120 years. So that's declared in Genesis 6-3. But it doesn't immediately seem to go into effect. It It, it comes in gradually. So Noah who was alive when that lived to 950. Well, maybe he was alive. So it's everyone after Noah, but but his son Shem lived to 600. And, and if you go down the line of the ages, they start to go down, but they're still well over 120. Um, uh, 438, 433, 464 goes up a little bit, 239. And you get lower and lower, and then you get uh, Terah, who is Abraham's father's? Two oh five. Abraham's only one seventy five. Isaac one eighty. Jacob one forty seven. And it is only when you get to the son of Jacob, one of the sons of Jacob, that Joseph. And it's the last age that's mentioned of someone's age when they're when they die. He now is under one hundred and twenty. Um, Moses lives to one twenty. So it seems to be God said in His Word a truth and that truth comes to be, but not immediate. He allows it to develop over time. I find that maybe that is how much of this should be interpreted that, that God issues the declaration and then allows the creation itself to, to become that way. What God says comes true, but gradually. So, The position I would fall under would be old earth creationism. And one of my influences in this has been Hugh Ross. He's a Christian physicist, Bible believer, believes in the literal word of God on these things. But he believes that the days of creation are are times when God stepped in to create and then allowed long periods of time in between these days. And where slow development took place. And so I've read quite a few books um, that I have. So I can show you. Um, so I got these in my office, creator and cosmos creation of time. One of his more recent ones is improbable planet. Uh, really interesting on how, how the development of the earth over time and the, the new species opened the door for For um, the extinction of old species opened the door for new species and, and he sees how God has been at work to develop life to the point of humanity over this period of time that God is active in creation then how do we interpret the Bible? how do we take the days of creation? so another influence on me has been Dr. Gordon Hugenberger he is a prof- old testament professor at gordon conwell theological seminary evangelical conservative seminary he was at park street congregational church i would listen to his sermons and he took on this topic and gordon s- suggested in, in that that maybe the best way to th- to see these days is not as human days but days of heaven or days in heaven that that these six days of, of in the creation story are days of God, not our days. And God's days are different. God's time operates differently in the throne room of heaven than our time does. And so if you think about it, God is not a part of our creation. He, he is transcendent above and beyond what what we have. And so God is not bound by at time, So he could speak and say it, this and his, his, his time. He could see it to the end and, and over time. So I'm over my seven minutes, but I'm going to do this one last illustration. One thing I think that helps me see this is how C.S. Lewis in the, the Narnia stories, for those familiar with that, um, at one point the children go into Narnia and then they spend years in Narnia, but when they come back out, they're, they're back to being children again. That that time spent in Narnia is not on the same scale as time spent in our world. That, I think, is a picture of, of days in heaven. God, God's time is not on the same. It does not necessarily correlate with how our time works out. God can step into our our time in a whole different way than, than we can conceive of. So, so friends, it, overall, this is an area I, I, I think there's openness for different views within the Christian world, but I, I do want to say that it, it is okay. If you come to these days of Genesis and think, I think these are not literal days um, that these represent periods of time or some other way of interpreting them that, that, makes sense. So thanks. I'll have more of these as we go.